0: Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn, and today we are discussing chapters 51 and 52 of Throne of Glass. As a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions in this episode are our own. So to recap last week's episode, Selena unknowingly drank the Bloodbane Poison during the toast and then faced off against Cain in the final round of the duel, Cain toyed with her and taunted her by knowing far more information about her than he should have. She hallucinated a shadowy dead world and was attacked by vicious winged creatures. Elena came to her rescue and removed the poison from her, and everyone saw a blue mark etched into Selena's forehead. Selena knocked Cain down and was declared the victor, but after a nod from the king, Cain tried to stab her in the back with a dagger. Kel plunged his sword through Cain's heart, killing him. Caltain confronted Parrington and he framed her for the poison plot and had her thrown in the dungeons.
1: So, chapter 51 opens in Dorian's point of view. The morning after the duel, Dorian met with his father, wanting to know what would happen to Kill for killing Kane. The king asks Dorian what he thinks should happen to Kill, and Dorian says nothing. He was defending the assassin. The king asks him if the life of an assassin is worth more than the life of a soldier. Dorian replies, no, but I believe there was no honor in stabbing her in the back after she'd won. Dorian's hands clenched at the thought of finding out his father or Duke Parrington sanctioned or played a hand in the drugging of Selena. Honor, questioned the king, would you have slain me if I tried to kill her in such a manner? Dorian says he would trust that the choice he made was correct. The king tells Dorian he is such a cunning liar almost as good as parrington and then he says he sees no reason to rid himself of a perfectly capable captain of the guard i think really the king views kale as a capable captain of the guard because he knows that like kale is not someone to question authority And like does not push boundaries. He sees everything as like, these are the rules and this is the person in charge. And no matter how terrible the rules are or how backwards society is because of a ruler, he'd be like, those are the rules and we're just going to follow them.
0: Right. He's definitely a rule follower. You tell him to do something, he's going to do it. He's not going to question you. That's exactly the type of people he wants. Yes. I also like this little tiny bit of foreshadowing of Parrington being a liar, obviously the king is in on the lies if he knows about them. We know because we've read future books, but we know right here that something's up and something's been up with them the whole time, but they're in on it together for sure. Dorian then asks his father what he's going to do about the
1: assassin. The king says that he is unsure if he wants a blubbering woman as my champion, poison or no. If she had been really good, she would have noticed the poison. Dorian says he is wrong, but he knows his father will not see her any other way, no matter what he says. Why should I see an assassin as anything but a monster? I brought her here to do my bidding, not to meddle in the life of my son and empire. Dorian bared his teeth at his father. He had never dared to look at him this way and wondered if the king was considering whether he'd become a general concern. Dorian realized that he didn't care, and perhaps the time had come to start questioning mm-hmm. his father. One, I would like to point out that Kane failed the poison test. Selena cheated. That's not- <laughs> Selena-, <laughs> Selena. used her brain and looked around for context clues to figure out what the poison was, and that is a smart That's woman. Thanks. She used the tools harder. in her access. Her, her, her eyeballs. Eyes. <laughs> yeah. She used her eyes and like was like, oh, this kid told us a couple weeks ago, he's really great at poisons. And that's the only thing he's good at because we're very confused about how he ended up here. He's only here to help her with the poison section. And then he quietly goes home. She was smart to do that. And Kane drank belladonna, which is not as hard of a poison to identify as bloodbain. So like, how did you want her to figure that out when you gave her a not even clear glass to look at. You just handed her a cup of wine.
0: He's sexist and misogynistic, and he just didn't want a woman to... Yeah. And he obviously would have not made the same comment about Cain. No. Like, what if Caltaina mixed it up and gave Cain the poison? hmm Well, that's the whole point. He, he wanted Cain to win the whole time, no matter what. And then what's funny is that he's like, he didn't bring her
1: there to meddle in Dorian or the Empire's life. And she literally, like, that's what she does for the next six books is (laughs) medals
0: in Dorian and the Empire's life
1: because she's Mm -hmm. causing chaos.
0: Honestly, it's the king's fault for this whole thing, for having this competition. Exactly. If he would have just used Cain to begin with instead of having a competition that brought Selena into it, it's his fault. Yeah, which Which are the consequences of his own (laughs) actions.
1: Yes, which... I know the plot has to plot, but yeah. also I'm like, why didn't he just, he wanted Kane from the beginning. You could have easily found people for Kane to steal their power from. Like, you mm-hmm. could have easily gone out and captured powerful people and yeah. had Cain sat- sacrifice them to the rhetoric and, you know, get the powers that way. So, like, yeah. why did we even have a competition? I know plot's yeah. got a plot. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if there had never been a, a, a tech this contest right never like selena would have just died in prison and none of this would have happened and the Valve would have taken over the world yeah so this is one of those plots kind of plot things but right it's the king's fault this happened to him yeah and then also i love that selena is the one to kind of awaken dorian's courage to face off his father and to like gain a better world perspective I just love the growth that he shows throughout this series. Like he grows so quickly and becomes like
0: such a well-rounded character to me. Mm -hmm. Just even from the beginning of this to now, it's been three and a half months, 14 weeks ish. And you see such a change in him from there to here, which is saying a lot because we don't have that same kind of growth in anyone else, even Selena. Yeah. Yeah but Dorian, you see it so quick in that change for sure. Yes. She's not a monster. Everything she has done, she did to survive.
1: Survive? Is that the lie she told you? She could have done anything to survive, but she chose killing. She enjoyed killing. The king tells Dorian he will send the contract to Selena whenever he gets around to it. Dorian drowned in a cold rage that lay inside him. But then he thought about Nehemia, giving Selena the staff from Elway. He knew Nehemia wasn't a fool and understood the power of symbols and though Selena may be his father's champion, she gained that title using a weapon of Elway. He admired Nahemia for playing a game she had no chance of winning. Maybe one day he might work up the nerve to go against his father and demand retribution. One I love. That Dorian never sees Selena as a monster, unlike someone else tail. <laughs> what was that? And I love the foreshadowing of Dorian's magic, like the cold rage, the iciness that's always kind of used around him, whereas Selena is always described with fire. So it's kind of showing like his magic first manifests as ice and cold whereas mm-hmm. hers is obviously fire so i just think it's cool how she kind of brings that into their characterization where you don't really pick up on it until the reread
0: because mm-hmm. you're like
1: oh just like a cold rage whatever right and then when you know that his magic is ice to begin with initially then you're like she was
0: telling us how it was going to show up and we haven't really caught it out but a couple of times and then later on through here he touches her or something and she talks about how ice cold his fingers are just that symmetry symmetry what's the what's the word symbol, symbol. <laughs> i'm sure tr- i know you're trying Was i saying symmetry i don't know this mm. su- the symbolicism symbol i don't know if that's the word symbolism, symbolism. <laughs> god <What>? symbolicism <laughs> It's late. We're recorded too late. Yeah, we're recorded really late today. We apologize. The symbolism of the ice, the coldness to Dorian and the fiery rage to Slain. I never thought about that. But yeah, you definitely see that in these rereads. Now that you know what their magic is and kind of it comes from deep within them. It's a part of them. Their magic is who they are. Those little things that you get on this reread are just amazing.
1: And also it kind of he when he says maybe one day I might work up the nerve to go against my father it kind of foreshadows that being like an ending conclusion for him but with his relationship with his father because like so much happens to him and then finally when he's able to break free of the vow prince all those things that happened to him he it was kind of like the final straw for him and he finally even though we find out that his dad isn't right yes by a vow so it's not truly who his father may have been if he never been we don't know because we never see him any other way but i just think it's real interesting that he's like maybe one day i might be able to rise up against my father and then we
0: see that actually come to pass that icy rage comes out against Mm -hmm. his father yep yeah for kale that's the true romance
1: of this series is kale and dorian don't even like kill but there Selina is no one more committed to <laughs> yes there is no one more committed to each other it's the bromance of all bromances for real for like sure. there's never been a stronger bromance than those two like i love the Bat boys but i don't even know that they love each other as much as dorian. no definitely, definitely not love each other like no <laughs> dorian then tells his father about parrington's plan to hold nehemia hostage to control the ilway rebels Dorian advises that it would be a bad idea because it might cause the rebels to use it as a way to gain allies. The king tells Dorian that he has a good point and that he will sh- instruct Parrington to halt his plans. So Dorian kind of predicts exactly what happens here. Death of Nehemia, even though it wasn't caused by the king, is what catapults Selena Aylin towards finally standing up against the king. Like, she has to work through her depression and trauma and everything to get there. That's kind of what pushes her to rock bottom so the that catalyst. she can, like, build herself back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Nehemia had survived, I don't know if Selena would have acted as quickly to get
0: rid of the king. Right. Apparently. It's like it needed to happen as awful as it was. And yeah. knew that, though. She knew.
1: Yeah, her and Elena knew that. They just didn't tell nobody.
0: So then it switches to Selena's
1: point of view. Selena awakens in bed in pain. She didn't remember much of what happened after the duel yesterday, but at least she wasn't dead. Her dreams had been filled with Nehemia and Elena, but would fade away into visions of demons and the dead and the terrible things that Cain had said. The nightmares were terrible, and she wondered what happened to Elena's amulet. She had a feeling her nightmares were due to its absence. Her door opened to reveal Nehemia. She tells Selena that she saved her life in the duel. I didn't hallucinate all that. You saw it too, Selena asks. Nehemia tells her that it wasn't hallucinations and that her gifts allowed her to see anything that Selena saw. Nehemia says the bloodbane made her see it too, to see what lurks beyond the veil of the world. She didn't think it was Caltaine's intended effect, but the bloodbane reacted to the magic in her blood. Magic calls to magic. This is like Sarah's first
0: annotation of like calls to like. Mm -hmm. She loves to use that. This is also a tie back to last week when we talked about the word mark power might have worked differently on Cain because of the magic in his blood as opposed to the king in Parrington being Valg. Mm -hmm. And I think this was just a kind of a confirmation of that of it uses you and it uses part of you and your magical ties in your bloodline like I don't think mm-hmm. just not just anyone can just use the word marks and it works well it, the purpose of happened. the word marks is that you have to have magic in your bloodline right. for it to right. even be useful and I think with just so many different types of magic and the power works differently, which is I think is why Cain was so different than just mm-hmm. Valg using it
1: yes and then they discussed how the white thing people the people of the white thing mountain had stronger ties to magic than other populations and that was the specific reason why they chose Kane. right and it was also the specific reason why caltane was targeted was also because her family had a history of magic in their bloodline so i definitely agree with everything you just said Selena questioned Nahemia on why she pretended not to understand the common tongue. Nahemia told her it was a defense. People reveal more when they think you do not understand them. She wanted Selena to give her lessons because she wanted a friend and she liked her. So, you were truly reading that book the day in the library? Nahemia explains that she was doing research on word marks, as they call them in the common tongue. She knows all about them, how to read them, how to use them. Her entire family does, and they've kept it a secret, passed down from generation to generation. They are only to be used as a last defense against evil or in the gravest of illnesses. She was scared she would be imprisoned for using them in Otterland, where magic is banned, even though they are a different sort of power. So one, I kind of want to know what Nehemia's tongue calls, word marks? Mm-hmm, Maybe. And also, I'm just ready for the day that we find out if Illyrian tattoos are word marks. Imagine if the fae could use them because they have magic. Mm -hmm. Just Um, normal fae have magic and then
0: the high fae have magic. Prithian is such a land flowing with magic. Like out of the three worlds that we have so far, whatever world Prithian is, is just so magical this isn't a HoFest episode <laughs> but this is
1: kind of like my theory on it is that all the fae originated from whatever world a is mm-hmm. and then when they when some of those fae ended up on whatever world or really is on their magic kind of changed and i kind of feel like maybe the fae on Prithian could have been able to transform into other like beings, like shift into things mm-hmm. but something is wrong with their world now like mm-hmm. something's broken
0: something's Not definitely right all broken yeah
1: and like that's why their magic isn't how it used to be and they used to say their magic was more connected to the world and they could create more things and do bigger things with their magic but it's kind of dwindled down to what it is is now. Mm-hmm. And then, if you look at Aurelia, like their magic is more elementally tied. You have people who have fire and water and ice. There's mm-hmm. manifest as like a physical element type thing. And then, obviously, the SDRE stole people from those worlds and brought them. And
0: Midgard's where all the humans are
1: from. Yeah. And then Midgard is like where humans originated from. Right. Because they said at a point in time humans weren't on Prithian. And then well, we Aurelia, have the, they said we, there was a time
0: before the Fae and the humans. We have the backstory in Prithian of the mother, the cauldron that happened in. Mm-hmm. We don't have that with any of the other two worlds. Yeah we have the crossing, which is where the veneer came over. The humans were already there. And then we have mm-hmm. already we have Aurelias where there was a time before the Fae. And, and before the that. humans. For the humans, so we don't have an origin store type story for the other worlds, and we're yeah, we're not getting to theories, but yeah, sorry. On a, just on a it s- just shallow level, yes. But about this episode, I want to know what role Nehemiah's ancestors played in the last war, because they obviously still know some of the truth of One mm-hmm. and all of that of like what happened in the past and they still use word marks they still believe in it it's passed down for generation generation what role did they play in all of that you know we never get that but I'm just curious yeah because none of their because they don't really talk about there being
1: fae in Elway. way like the only places that we've heard about on Aurelius they may be other places is that there's Gwendolyn where they have them
0: right and that's a kind whole, of kind that's of a different so Aurelia is the continent and it yes. has Terrace so Terrace is really the only, the only yeah the only one only with Fae only country with Fae and then you have the western yeah. waste where the witches were yes but other than that Otterland's human Harrow is that a city or wherever that is that's yes. human and then ilway as far as we know is human human yeah the The southern continent the continent human right so we know the big war was between i mean it mainly had a lot to do with terrison and all and Mm -hmm. otterland was a a new country because it was created during that yeah elena and gavin but what was aurelia then i mean what was ilway then Mm -hmm. and how did they fight in the war like what what happened with them yeah i'm curious yeah i got questions
1: we keep them secret because of the terrible power that they would wield terrible in that it can be used for good or evil though most have used their power for wicked deeds since the moment i arrived here i was aware that someone was using the word marks to call forth demons from the other worlds realms beyond our realm That fool Cain knew enough about the word marks to summon the creatures, but didn't know how to control them and send them back. I've spent months banishing and destroying the creatures he summoned. That is why I've sometimes been so absent. Oh my gosh, my brain just realized that she said creatures. So was he summoning more than one Ritorek? Yes. Or was he
0: summoning something else? Because she saw it in that book and all, I'm thinking he summoned the Ritorek. So I'm thinking this proves there was more than one yeah because that's terrifying yeah because he couldn't open the portal again to send them back so once they were there they were going to just kill as many people as they could unless she hunted them down and banished it so she sent it back or she killed it yeah i'm also this proves that the portal and the rhetoric might not be valg at all i think it isn't i think it's from some other world
1: Right, and she, and that's capitalized with an O. Other world. I just don't know if she means other world as like that's a planet, or she's just using other world
0: as like a noun to describe the other. Well, she says it plural. Worlds. It's realms beyond our realm. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's just mult. There's just like infinite out there, and it was just one of them. Somehow he opened the same one for the mm-hmm. Act. I think that was like the only one he could have access could to figure out how to mm-hmm. do with whatever the word so whatever word mark he was using it called forth that portal i'm guessing yeah. which the book i think told her how to summon mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. so and so obviously so he was obviously was using yeah that particular spell for that particular demon the ritteract. wasn't that in the walking dead i was that in a different book don't remember. I can't remember at this
1: point. I just need you to know that no many, no matter how many times I read these books, it blows my mind. There's like new information all over again. Every time. Selena felt ashamed for believing Nehemia was responsible for killing the champions. Lifting her scarred hand, she realized Nehemia had used word marks to heal the bite. Nehemia says she still doesn't know how Selena came across the Ritterat. That's a tale for another time. And then she admits that the marks under Selena's bed were drawn by her. When Selena jolted, Nehemia explained that they were symbols for protection. You have no idea. What a nuisance it was to have to keep redrawing them every time you wash them white. Really, I feel so bad for <laughs> Nidhikiya every time I think about it because you know, just every day once Nahi once Selena wiped them out, and I gotta go write these stupid freaking marks again because my best friend is trying to get herself killed by this crazy demon because she would have just explained it. I know, like in there communication this is right. a miscommunication trope and this is why i hate it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this bunch of bob arms communication, communication. instead of imagination yes <laughs> <laughs> it's important people talk to each other tell people the plan nahemia says that she wishes kane was still alive so she could ask him where he learned to rip open portals like that when the poison made you hover between worlds, his very presence somehow brought those creatures to the in-between to shred you apart. She then explains how she was able to save Selena. With the word marks, I was able to open a portal into one of the realms of the other world and let Elena through. When Selena asks if Nehemia knows her, she answers no, but she answered my call for help. Not all realms are full of darkness and death. Some are filled with creatures of good, beings that, if our need is great enough, will follow us into Aurelia to help in our task. She heard your plea for help long before I opened the portal. One, I just want to say she's lying. Mm -hmm. She knows Elena. They've talked.
0: Yeah. I say this is lie number one throughout this scene Mm -hmm. that she doesn't know Elena. I guess she technically doesn't know her and it's more of a lie of omission because girl, you've spoken with her and y'all have a little work relationship going on. So it's they've still met. She knows they, who she, she is. knows her she was it's not, not the... surprised right.
1: when Elena was the one who came through. Because right. if there was people, other people out there
0: who could have helped, then mm-hmm. anyone could have shown up. She was specifically calling Elaine. And she said she was there before I opened the gate. She was ready to come through. Yes. And then I too want to question Kane on some things. I could just have some questions. I never thought of him again after this. I was just, he's working for the vow. He was vowed. This was vowed. It just all explained it nicely and tied it all up in a little bow. And then now that we have HOSAB and HOFAS is coming and the world's all tied together. There's a lot left unanswered here.
1: Yes. In book one. Now that we've sat down and kind of broken things down. These things aren't matching up as quite. Quite as well as I thought they initially did. So I don't know. Just ready to have more information. Vaguely recalling the word gates she'd read in that book months ago, she asked if it was possible to go to those other worlds. Nahimi admits that she doesn't know. Her schooling isn't yet complete. But the queen was both in and not in this world. She was in the in-between, where she could not fully cross over, nor could the creature Selena saw. It takes an enormous amount of power to open a true portal to let something through. And even then, the portal will close after a moment. Kane could only open it for a moment to allow the Rhetorak through before it was shut. So one, this is foreshadowing that Selena will actually open a true portal in the next book. Also, it's a... Kind of foreshadowing to like, we literally see that you can go to other worlds. Mm-hmm. Aelin falls through the worlds Yep. and Bryce goes to another world. But nice. we also do see one, Selena's portal kind of gets messed up. And so she can't really figure out how to close it initially until she like draws more word marks. And then with Bryce, like we just see it kind of open and shut immediately just for Bryce to get through.
0: Have we talked about before if Bryce's tattoo is word marks? We've discussed it, but I don't know that we discussed <laughs> it. On a public platform. Okay. Yeah, on the on the pod. Yeah. So that's a theory that I'm working with is that we know Bryce's tattoos in a language, an old language. She doesn't I definitely, she knows the old language of the face, so we know it's not that. Mm-hmm. So if it's, word it's marks. It's a language she didn't
1: recognize. Right. That, Danica, why did I forget Danica's name? I'm like, the friend, the chick uh, that she found and specifically drew it to be tattooed on her with the horn's essence. Mm -hmm. So So I definitely
0: believe that it's a word mark. And to go to, well, we know the horn can allow you to go to other worlds, but Bryce specifically has the horn and the tattoo, which I think is word marks, which is how she traveled through the portal to another world. So she set it up where Hunt hit her with his
1: magic. The magic activated the horn, which they talked about, like, what would happen if instead of... Because he was directing the magic to her Mm starborn star star on her chest. Right. And, like, what would happen if we hit the horn? And they kind of talked about it. And then they literally hits the horn and it activated it, opened up the portal, and then yeah she went through so I definitely believe that it's word marks Mm -hmm. and the way it's described reminds me of the way Aylin's mark tattoo is described Mm -hmm. which reminds me of the way the Illyrian's tattoos are described and I just believe they're all word marks that's the heel I prepare to die on is that
0: those are word marks and if they're not well Sarah's world I'm just living in it (laughs) yes it's important to note in this that Elena is in this in-between realm and that's going to matter later on in future books that her soul, body, whatever is not fully passed on to the realm that they go to after death, mm-hmm. wherever that may be. Which,
1: because of what she did, what she did with like passing on the war to the next realm, next generation. Have, yeah, mm-hmm. the gods had basically blocked her from being able to go to the realm after death. So she mm-hmm. would just disappear into nothing, which is kind of like why Danica. Mm-hmm. yeah which is kind of why her and gavin he was sad when the moment came for aelin to finish everything because he could see still communicate and see her in the in-between mm-hmm. from where he was in the dead room he could still kind of they could interact but he knew like once she was
0: gone like once the gods were he was not joining her right in the dead room right so so yeah, yeah. so it, it you don't really think about it now that Elena's in this in-between as nahemia calls it but that obviously matters in Mm -hmm. future books that she's in this realm she and and i and we've caught it this before it's like a spiritual realm you're not fully there but you Mm -hmm. are there and you can yes yes yeah it's if you watched
1: avatar the last airbender it's kind of when ang goes to like the spiritual realm and he's like floating out of his body Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that You never
0: know what references we're going (laughs) to (laughs) make. That one was really pulled out of the hat. Yeah. They can revive that show any day now.
1: I'm not going to spiral. We're going to (laughs) move on. Selena asked her a few questions and Ahemia sighed and said, All I know is that Cain knew the secrets of my people's power. Power that has long been forgotten in the lands of the North. And that troubles me. At least he is dead, replied Selena. But then she swallowed and said, but in that place, Cain didn't look like Cain. He looked like a demon. Why? Nehemia said that perhaps the evil he kept summoning seeped into his soul and twisted him into something he was not. And I definitely agree with her on that front because even Tang, when she was high that one time, was like seeing the blackness come out of him. And I definitely mm-hmm. think it was kind of like and the evil
0: slash remnants of stealing people's souls. Mm-hmm. Stealing their essence, and they kind of like followed him around, they were like a part of him now. Oh,
1: so okay. If we go tripping on blood spain in front of the Asteri, what are they gonna look like? Because they're sucking, they're sucking magic,
0: yeah. What are their true forms?
1: Would they because they're eating magic? And one theory is that the reason people who eat magic makes their blood go black, so. The weaver. I feel yeah. like the weaver's a good example of that. Yes. And like Lanthies and stuff like that. Eating people's magic makes your blood back. So if the Asteria have black blood, would they also have this black mist overhanging their bodies as And like-
0: Princes of Hell because they the star eater <laughs> mm hmm. It's all tie and all the little Yes. The little threads are there. Yes. He talked about me, like he knew everything, said Selena. Nehemia told her not to give him the satisfaction of knowing that he's still troubling her. Put those thoughts from your mind. Selena's thankful that at least the king doesn't know about any of this. She couldn't imagine what he'd do if he had access to that kind of power. I can imagine a great deal, Nehemia said softly, then changed the subject asking Selena if she knew what the mark is that was burned into her forehead. Selena said, no, do you? Nehemia gave her a weighing look. No, I do not but I have seen it there before. It seemed to be a part of you. And I do worry what the king thinks of it. It is a miracle he hasn't questioned it further. Okay, this is lie number two, that she truly doesn't know what it is or what it means. Mm -hmm. And then also, I would just like to say that
1: this, we've been questioning in the past if Nehemia has actually seen the mark Mm -hmm. the whole time. Everything she said so far in this chapter kind of confirms that she's been able to see the mark the entire time right because she can see what's beyond the veil and i would consider the mark when it's not ignited
0: as hidden under there. the surface mm-hmm. so i think she's definitely been able to see it the whole mm-hmm. time yeah and each time she's like looking at her forehead she for sure sees it yes mm-hmm. selena let out a shuddering breath and asked Ahemia why she was really here the princess was quiet for a moment i will not claim ties of allegiance to the king of otterland you know this already and I'm not afraid to tell you that I came to Rifthold only for the excellent view it offered of his movements, of his plans. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my country, no sacrifice too great to keep my people alive and out of slavery, to keep another massacre from happening. Selena tells her that she is the bravest person she knows, and Nehemia replies, my love for Ilway drowns out my fear of the king of Otterland." but I will not involve you, Valentia. Our paths might be entwined, But I think you must continue to travel your own road for now. Adjust to your new position, Nehemia smiled sadly, and there shall be no more secrets between us. When you are better, I'd like to hear how you got entangled with Elena. That's also why number three. Yes. That she would not involve her in her plans. She knows their paths are very, very much entwined. That's why she came to this castle. Mm-hmm. But she also knows that Selena has to come to terms with everything first and accept who she is and what she must do before she can help her. She understands she's not ready yet. But it's also ironic, like you said, this is the third lie, I think, just in this one little conversation. Yeah. yeah. she's like, there'll be no secrets No more us. secrets between but, us. But
1: no, there'll be plenty of secrets between us,
0: even after you die. Mm-hmm. And they finally figure out the last secret. All the way in Empire of Storms when they finally go through the witch mirror and see her oh, I'm conversation so with Elena. Yeah. But yeah, up until her death, she's still keeping secrets. But she's like, no more secrets. Yeah, girl. You obviously don't know what a secret is. Yeah. Nehemia asks to take Fleetfoot for a walk. And as she leaves, she says, I'm glad to have you as my friend, Alentia. Selena thanks her for saving her life again. And Nehemia tossed something at her saying her guards picked it up after the duel. It was the eye of Elena. When Nehemia had left, Selena smiled, despite all that she had just learned, and closed her eyes. The amulet gripped in her hand she slept more soundly than she had in months. Now, we're moving on to chapter 52. The next day, Selena awoke to a knock at her door. You look even worse today, Dorian whispered. He admitted that he hadn't slept much since the duel. He clenched his jaw and stared out the window. She gave him a moment as he sorted through his thoughts. He was trying to fight it. Whatever feeling had been hounding him. He eyed her bed and asked if she minded if he lay down. He was exhausted. She watched him close his eyes and let out a long breath. Some semblance of normalcy returned to his face. She asked him how Kel was doing and Dorian explained that he took yesterday and today off, but he'll be fine. He told Selena that she shouldn't feel responsible. Kel did what he saw fit. He knew what he was doing. He brushed a finger down her cheek. I'm sorry, he said. I'm sorry that I didn't save you. That's what you've been agonizing over, Slane asked him. She tells him that he shouldn't be sorry because he did as anyone would have. If he'd interfered, she might have been disqualified. He says he should have sliced Kane open the moment he laid a hand on her. Instead, he stood there as Kale knelt at the sidelines. He should have been the one to kill Kane. Slane smirked and said, you're starting to sound like an assassin, my friend. Perhaps I spend too much time around you, Dorian replied. Slane laid her head on his chest. Dorian's breath was warm on her head, and she smiled as he brought his arm around her, cupping her shoulder. Dorian, she began, when you retrieved me from Endovir, did you actually think I'd win? He says, of course, why else would I have bothered to journey so far to find you? She snorted. He gently lifted her chin. His eyes were familiar, like something she'd forgotten. I knew you'd win the moment I met you, he whispered, though I'll admit I didn't quite see this coming. And... No matter how frivolous and twisted that competition was, I'm grateful it brought you into my life. As long as you live, I'll always be thankful for that. Do you intend to make me cry or are you just foolish, she asked. Dorian leaned forward and kissed her and made her jaw hurt. I don't know why this line stands out to me and I don't know if it means something. It said, his eyes were familiar, like something she'd forgotten. Is that like on a deeper level? Is it just mean she remembered them? from the time in the past when she's met him a couple times part of me probably thinks because we know they've ran into
1: each other a couple of times they even danced at a party years ago and made Sam jealous so there's a full circle moment for you so I think it could be tying to that but it also could probably be tying to like their familial ties of both being Brandon's heir she has the ash of her eyes that are so unique so he might have he has Gavin's the gall- eyes yeah he has mm-hmm. like Gavin's eyes so it could have just kind of be mm-hmm. hinting at their long distance familial connection like where their two bloodlines originated from
0: mm-hmm. or it's metaphorical he could be looking at her with love and she hasn't had anyone look at her with oh. love since Sam and that's a good that, thought. her family Yeah, that
1: could definitely be it too.
0: Yeah, she forgot what love looked like in another person when they looked at her. He didn't look at her with hatred or wanting something from her. He just looked at her like he loved her.
1: Well, that's kind of depressing now. That is depressing. (laughs) I'm kind of, like my heart just breaks for her and the
0: absolute terrible childhood she received. Lord. All right, so this last point of view is the king. And this is a big deal. There's a lot that's revealed in this interaction. And there's a lot of questions that come from it. Seated on his glass throne, the King of Otterland stroked Nothung's pommel as Parrington knelt before him, waiting. Let him wait, he thought. He had yet to send the assassin her contract, though she was now his champion. With how close she was with both his son and the Ilwe princess, he wondered if appointing her would somehow be a risk but the captain of the guard trusted the assassin enough to save her life. He wouldn't punish kel Westfall if only to avoid Dorian raising hell in the captain's defense. If only Dorian had been born a soldier, not a reader. But there was a man somewhere in him. Perhaps a few months at the battlefront would do him some good. And after the show of will and power in his throne room, Dorian could be a strong general if he was pushed. Oh, he pushes him all right. And then one, I just find it so
1: incredibly interesting that Erewhon is kneeling before the king, who is possessed by his servant. I want to know how pissed off he was in that moment that he has to bow to him and like be the servant in this moment. And also, I know SJM was doing this to kind of make us follow the thought that that Erewhon was in the king so that like when we find out that Erewhon has been here the whole time that we're like oh it was the king and then it makes the reveal that it was actually Parrington the whole time Mm -hmm. so much more interesting um and like a bigger moment and then I'm just confused of why Erewhon was even defaulting to the king in a moment where they're like alone unless I misread that and other people were around
0: no Mm -hmm. i mean they're in a public room i guess but they're by themselves that was my same thought why pretend if you're no longer in public yeah and we see how the king thinks towards him he's not scared of him he's his accomplice in whatever's going on and yeah i don't know if it was just to throw us off but the way he thinks about him he's kneeling before him he's like let him wait he can wait there And it's like, if that was your king and you're inside his head, Mm -hmm. he should be subservient toward him. So I don't know if it's maybe some of the real king coming through in that moment or what, but that made me really curious as well.
1: It could possibly
0: be the real king coming in, but yeah, it just, Mm it's just my brain. The king traced a mark on the glass arm of his seat. He was well-versed in word marks, but he'd never seen one like hers. He would find out, and if there weren't any indication of some fell deed or prophecy, he'd have the girl hanged by nightfall. Seeing her thrash about by drug had almost convinced him to order her death, but then he felt them, felt the angry and furious eyes of the dead. Someone had interfered and saved her, and if these creatures both protected and attacked her, perhaps she was not a person to die at his command, not before he discovered the meaning of her mark. For now, though, he had more important things to worry about. So this answers a couple of questions that we've had. Mm-hmm. One, he didn't recognize Brandon's bastard mark on Slana's forehead. And I'm just curious why that seems like an important detail that you would not forget, no matter how many centuries, how much time has passed. It's, are they just dumb and didn't put two and two together? I don't know, but we know for sure he didn't immediately recognize it. And he's pondering on what it was and what it meant.
1: Another thing when he says he has other more important things to worry about. Actually, sir, you don't. Actually, this right here, you don't realize it. (laughs) But it's the top of the list. It's the most important thing you could actually handle in this moment. Because she's the only person. Well, she's one of two people who could Destroy you and ruin your plans. And the mark on her forehead is what signifies the only people who have the power to do this, which, fun fact, is
0: also your son. Congratulations. Right. Also, it confirmed that he couldn't see these dead things, but he could (laughs) feel them. Mm -hmm. So, whereas the other humans, the councilmen, all, they just felt a wind. They didn't know anything that could happen. He couldn't see them, but he knew there was a presence there. Also further proof that they're not Valg. They were from this dead realm. They're the dead, whatever they were. They weren't Valg creatures. Because if they were Valg creatures, I feel like he would have been able to see him. Parrington wouldn't have been able to see them. Yeah, that's true. But we know Nehemia, with whatever power she had, she could see them. Also, that means he couldn't see Elena. So he didn't see Elena save Selena, because that would have drew so many red flags there for him he would have put more two and two together with who selena was if elena's defending her knowing what happened in the last war Mm -hmm. and then it also saves nehemia for knowing that she interfered because he don't know how any of that happened so that just answered a bunch of questions we had about that last episode and i'll be honest i forgot this chapter existed Uh, me too i didn't remember this conversation i forgot we
1: got a king's pov and i was like oh my Gosh. Right. And
0: I've already, I've read this book twice this year. Right. Like, how did I forget? hmm Your manipulation of Caltane was interesting. Were you using power on her? He spoke at last. Parrington remained kneeling and responded that no, he'd relaxed it recently, as the king suggested. Besides, she was starting to look noticeably affected, drained, and pale. And she even mentioned the headaches. He twisted the obsidian ring around his thick finger. Had he known of Parrington's plan to reveal Lady Caltain's character, even to prove how easily she adapted to their plans and how strong her determination ran, he would have prevented it. Such a public revelation only brought about irritating questions. So they don't tell each other everything, the king and Parrington. And the king didn't like what happened to Caltain so publicly, how that all went down. Mm -hmm. Not because he cared about her as a person and an innocent woman, But because I feel like he's playing more politics Mm -hmm. and courtly than Parrington is. Parrington, I feel like, has his goal, which he still is. But him and the King are kind of button heads about things. So that was interesting to note as well. So my question with this or my thought process behind this is this
1: Servant or whatever this we don't get told if it's a prince or anything we just we don't that's that it too. was like his serve like his it attendant said, or servant that was with
0: him when he got locked in the it, he called it something and I can't remember what it was but it's not he it doesn't say a prince yeah. it's not something like I know I find power. out Queen of
1: Shadows and I'm literally in the middle of my Queen of Shadows reread and I'm just not I'm only like chapter twelve where I've been for the past month but that's fine. But I think like maybe his servant is like so sick of being. Cause think about it, this war happened thousands of years ago. So this mm-hmm. man has been entombed for thousands of years, and then he finally gets released, gets put in a body. Now has a way of like acting on his own, and he still has to serve him. And he's like in this way, he's visibly the person with more power he, than in this world.
0: Yes, as yes. Of right and now, and it's like
1: kind of affected their relationship in that way and now he gets to be in charge in front of other people mm-hmm. and he's whoever is the person inside of the king is like really enjoying it. Just, this moment of higher power it just that they haven't had his, access to
0: his minion whatever yeah. that means i also wonder if it has something to do with the actual king versus parrington as a person before they were thou the king was stronger. As far as we know, we don't really know anything about him if he was a better person. Parrington was, I feel like, probably just weak-minded and he was able to be taken over immediately. The king didn't Mm -hmm. have to try that hard. So I wonder if that plays a role in things too. We don't really get an answer, but it was clever of you to experiment on her. She's become a strong ally and still suspects nothing of our influence. I have high hopes for this power, the king confided, looking at his own black ring. Cain proved the physical transformative effects, and Caltain proves the ability to influence thoughts and emotions. I would like to test its full ability to hone the minds of a few others. Part of me wishes Caltain hadn't been so susceptible, grumbled Parrington. She wanted to use me to get to your son, but I don't want the power to turn her into Cain. Despite myself, I don't like the thought of her rotting in those dungeons for long. Do not fear for Kaltain, my friend. She won't remain in the dungeons forever. When the scandal has been forgotten and the assassin is busy with my work, we'll make Caltain an offer she can't refuse. But there are ways of controlling her if you think she can't be trusted. Let's see how the dungeons change her mind, Parrington said quickly. Of course, of course. It's only a suggestion. They were silent and the Duke rose. Duke, the king said, his voice echoing through the chamber. The fire in the mouth-shaped fireplace flickered. The green light filled the shadows of the room. We will soon have much to do in Aurelia. Prepare yourself, and stop pushing your plan to use the Ilway princess. It's attracting too much attention. The duke only nodded, bowed, and strode out of the chamber. Again, it calls attention to the fireplace and the green light of it. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about before of the word mark power when Elena uses it, when Nehemia uses it. It's blue. It's used for good. Mm-hmm. When kane uses it it's green it's bad the fact that this fire in the fireplace is green that's just a subtle little foreshadowing moment and -hmm. i just can't help but think of the flu fireplaces in yes (laughs) every time my brain was like it just reminds me of the flu like that's
1: harry potter we're sorry (laughs) if you want if you only wanted Throne of Glass content or Sarah J. Mass with no outside references. We were not your place. No. (laughs) We are pulling things out of pockets that you weren't even expecting.
0: And sometimes (laughs) we aren't even expecting it. We're like, oh, that's like that. How did we get here? Half of my brain's movie quotes and song lyrics and other books. This conversation as what us readers get out of this point of view and without Acknowledging other books for a moment. So, just in this time frame of Throne of Glass, Mm -hmm. we see that the king and the duke know about word marks and their power. Parrington has some sort of power that he's able to use to manipulate Caltane's mind. And it draws attention in this to the black rings that they both wear. So, that's Mm -hmm. a key clue to look out for as this is moving forward. And then it's foreshadowing to big things coming for Aurelia and they have plans and they're preparing for something. So yes. that's just what we got out of this without knowing the context of future books of to who they are. To recap this episode, Nehemia visits Selena in her rooms and admits to saving her and tells her all about her family's knowledge of word marks and reveals her movements in the castle all these months. Nehemia returns the eye of Elena amulet to Selena. Dorian visits Selena the next day as she's still healing in bed, and he is struggling with what happened to Selena and his inability to have done something about it. And then, lastly, we got a point of view of the king, which I think was the first one, mm-hmm. right? I think yes. it was. And I'm it really revealed... sure the only one we ever get. Right. And it revealed so much about his and the Duke's plans moving forward. And now I would just like to take a moment and scream about the fact
1: that we got the first sentence of Hofass. And we're getting, we're getting a Lydia POV. I'm trying to ignore the fact that the book literally opens with the more depressing part of the story in that hunt and Rune or in the Asteri prison. The only way I'm making it through this process is that my brain is only focused on the positives. Sarah loves a happy ending. Yes, there will be pain and torture, but I I am going in there with the, the... delusional thought that nobody's dying nobody's dying if people are coming back let me live in my little delusional world until sarah
0: breaks my heart because i know she will yes so we are getting a lydia pov this book that's been revealed so that's crazy two we're opening up with her like not bryce on prithian not hunt and rune in the dungeons lydia In front of the Asteri and she wants to kill them. I didn't even think about getting a Lydia POV.
1: But now that I'm getting it, I'm like feral for it because I've wanted inside her head. mm -hmm, And -hmm. so as soon as we found out she was Day, I was like, I need to to know who like, Mm -hmm. what her real, how she got here, what her real thoughts are. And now people are like, okay, so now we know we're going to get Rune, Bryce, Hunt, and Lydia. What other POVs would be out there? My thought is that we're either we've got to get someone who's not near the Asteri, like we have to get Ethan.
0: We're going to have to get Ethan.
1: We're probably going to get Therion again. Most boring POV in existence. Maybe I'll turn it around. it's like, do you want to be stuck in Kale's head or do you want to be stuck in Therion's <laughs> head? And I I would rather be stuck in Kale's head, which yeah. is saying something. And it's just because I expected so much mm-hmm. of Therion's POV when I found out we were getting it in HOSAB.
0: Yeah. And then he was, was literally the
1: worst. He was just stupid. It was like the he decisions was, you made. Yeah. He's like supposed to be this intelligence
0: mm-hmm.
1: master or whatever. And I'm like, you're like Kale as the captain of the guard. Utterly useless.
0: Yeah. It's like you're the cause of all your problems is yourself.
1: Exactly. So
0: you were dumb. (laughs) I don't have a lot of sympathy for you there. Like, I have no sympathy for
1: you for being stuck in a relationship with someone that you slept with, knowing that you shouldn't have slept with them. Right. And you just were cruel to her. It's not that she, Sarah, hid his name from us, it's the fact that he only ever thought about her as the river queen's daughter
0: not as she, a person herself not as
1: her own individual person
0: and that makes me mm-hmm. sad sorry that was my theory on <laughs> dumping Back on everyone to lydia though if you've listened to our hosts of episodes we have so many questions when it comes to her so the fact yes. that we're going to be in her head and at least we get some monologue of her thought process what she's thinking what she's doing her history i would love her history i'm so here for it and i can't believe that's what dropped but like here's this bomb in the middle of the day
1: yeah bluesbury gave us no warning yeah they were just like oh here you go let me just drop." and like no spoiler warnings or nothing they haven't done spoiler warnings on anything they dropped the biggest yeah if you you go (laughs) if you haven't read crescent city one don't listen to our podcast because we are spoiler full (laughs) yeah we're sorry we're not we
0: can't keep it all in our head like we it's, can't no and it all ties together now so <laughs> a fully spoiler filled podcast is what this. yes is. so i'm so excited now when when sarah said there's going to be little things sprinkled out here and there we've got one of them yep but she also said that like the whole book is going to be bomb drops from the
1: very beginning and now i'm like what is lydia gonna drop on us in chapter one
0: I also, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast of the event that's happening with Sarah, it's the virtual yes. event for House in Sky and Breath. So I just wanted to mention that it's on September 26th and... Which is when the special editions mm-hmm. of the paperbacks in the U.S. are being released. Right. So you can buy tickets. They're on sale now if you go to bloomsbury.com mm-hmm. and... We'll both be listening just because I need any little tidbit from Sarah as possible. We'll do an episode after that. Definitely. Or we'll either put it in episode or do an episode depending on how much she reveals or what she says. If you want to know, you don't want to buy tickets, we'll let you know all the details for that. Yeah. And then
1: I just want to mention, if anyone is international, the $20 virtual only ticket, you can get. The books, the U.S. editions, they're and I don't believe they're going to be shipping those internationally so I wouldn't get the ones with the books that includes the books yeah yes and then somewhere in it it mentioned them being signed but Bloomsbury has since come back and said that those editions are not signed editions they are just the Barnes and Noble special editions Mm -hmm. that's it they're beautiful Um, though I bought they are beautiful I am going to go pick them up Mm-hmm. Well, I was initially gonna go pick them up on release day. Um yeah. but that would conflict me being able to listen to the event. Yeah. So I'll be listening to the event and then going to pick them up the next yeah. day for my Barnes yeah. and Noble. But yeah. yes, I'm so excited for them. Yeah.
0: I think that's all our Sarah news. We need a little segment called SJM News. So
1: uh before we ramble any longer, please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at throne of chaos. We love to talk about Pretty much anything and all things SJM. And you can also find us on YouTube. So you can check us out there. We're also at Throne of Chaos Pod. Remember to subscribe. And thank you so much for listening.